1: Do you lead a product team or are part of a team that should improve performance? I've been helping product teams and groups of product managers accomplish just that, getting higher performance. When I ask them why they need to improve performance, I typically hear one of four answers, with the most common being to create more of a customer focus. I wanted to find out what other product VPs and directors would say that I haven't worked with, so I contacted several and received answers from 91 product leaders. You'll find the results are not only interesting, but also valuable, as you'll hear how other product professionals think about improving their teams and what is most important to your performance. For example, should you focus on revenue or customer value? To help me share the information, I am joined by our guest from episode 174, Colleen Kneff, a Senior Director of Product Management, but this time she's interviewing me, taking the role of host. In addition to the reasons product leaders give for improving team performance, we also discussed why this podcast is named The Everyday Innovator, where I develop my passion for helping product managers and teams improve their performance, and the value of personality assessments. You'll want to see the show notes for this episode, as they will detail the product VP's answers to my question about team performance. You'll find those notes at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 206. I hope you enjoy the discussion and special episode about team performance.
2: Well, good morning, Chad. Good morning, Colleen. I have listened to your podcast for a very long time. Uh, I think I've, well, maybe I might be one of the only people who's listened to all the episodes you've recorded over the last three years.
1: Thank you so much. (laughs)
2: You're welcome. I enjoy them. Uh, There are two topics that you rarely talk about, and I wanted to know more about them. And I suspect we have a lot of other listeners that do too. So the first question I had was, Why did you name the podcast The Everyday Innovator?
1: The Everyday Innovator. So I think there's a bunch of us that are wired in a way that wants to look at problems and create solutions for them. And usually these are in the form of a product or a service, a tangible product and tangible service. And I've been asking product managers for a few years how they got into product management. And this kind of goes into the answer. So so let me ask you, if you think back to what you're doing before, what was the reason that you became a product manager?
2: curiosity um, and by accident, <laughs> meaning that I, I, so I work for a software company and I started in on the the training and implementation side and I just kept bugging the development team. Like what about this? And what about this? And what if it looked like
1: this? And why were you doing that?
2: Because I wanted to help solve the customer's problems. Right. And I wanted, I, I could see a need and it wasn't being met. Right. Uh, and I, you know, and I wouldn't have framed it quite that way at that point in time, but that's, that's exactly what it was.
1: Yeah, and nor would I have framed it similar either. But yeah, a lot of us stumble into accidentally right now. It's it's, Some people are more purposeful about it. But for you and me, we both were accidental product managers. But the two common reasons that come up to that question about why did you do it, right? The, The path is always different. But one is they wanted to build great products. We love creating. We love building. And by great products, it's usually some context of products that customers love. And then another one that came up in most of the responses when I asked this, I still do, is they want more influence in the organization. They want the bigger picture perspective and they recognize they need influence so that they can build products that customers actually love. And the two kind of are, you know, intermingled then. So to me, that, that kind of sums up these people that every innovator we're the ones that see problems and go, you know, I think I could do that better. I, I think I could, could create more value for customers by doing it that differently. And we, We tend to just always do that, right? I'm sure you walking around in your day-to-day life, you know, you run into something and you go, oh, that could have been done better. I think that's what Everyday Innovators are really about, is we look at the world in a way that says we can solve those problems, we can add value, we can do a better job, and we just love creating things. That's Everyday Innovators. If, If I was smart about SEO, I would have called it something else about product management. It's the Everyday Innovator podcast because it resonated with me and some other people.
2: Well, and it and it comes up quite often if you're looking for a product management podcasts. So I think you've overcome that barrier of uh, search engine optimization. <laughs> That's good. Um, and the second question was, you hardly ever talk about your story. So how did you become so passionate about product management and leadership?
1: I appreciate the question. My daughter will appreciate this, too, because she's always saying, Daddy, you got to tell people more about how you got into all this. I'll start in the kind of very beginning where I think I was just one of those kids that loved taking things apart. I drove my mom crazy because I wanted to see how things work and think about how to make things better. Beating forward to college, I studied electrical engineering. And when I graduated, I joined this really small systems engineering company. I was employee number four in the office. And the great thing about that is you wear all the hats, you do all the work that has to get done. And so you learn everything at a much more rapid pace. And it was just a really perfect environment for, for me, the way I'm wired. In a couple of years, we found ourselves creating prototypes for customers, exploring new ideas and new technology. And these were primarily software products. And it was the perfect job for me every few weeks, getting to encounter a new problem, creating prototypes for that and pursuing you know product concepts. And there was this pivotal point that came a couple of years later, and that was a little unusual situation. I was asked to demonstrate another company's software at this special event in Washington, D.C. It was a pretty high-level event. And at this point, I had gotten really good at doing product demonstrations, and so I was going to send out there to do that for them. And part of my preparation for that, I went out a week early. So this was, I live in Colorado, flew out to D.C., And I spent an entire week with a group of customers who were intended to be the ones using this this product that was being developed. And so I was living in their shoes, working alongside with them, and that was the most incredible experience. And I had never really had that kind of experience before, was doing user observations without any idea what ethnographic research was about, right? It was uh, just walking in their shoes. I learned what the product really needed to do for them, which was just a, a great experience. And something happened with this company that was creating the, the prototype that was supposed to be sent out, and they, they never got it put together. And this became apparent uh, by Friday at the end of my week uh, working with the customers. And uh, they were, they really left me hanging, and I wasn't very happy about that at all, quite annoyed. And I pulled some resources in from back in Colorado for my company. And I happen to have, if anyone remembers this, an SGI workstation with me, a Silicon Graphics International workstation. And I spent the weekend with help from my company. We created this prototype together based on what I had learned, what these customers really needed. So it didn't do anything real, but it looked like it was doing real things. And uh, did the demonstration the following week, and it was really successful. That led in short time to a multimillion-dollar budget and a team to, to put together the real product. And it was an incredible experience. And loved that team experience so much. I'll get back to that in a moment. And then went on to some other product experiences, right? And some of those, this is where frustration kind of came in. And I'm sure you've seen this too, where we go through, I went through what I thought were the same sort of processes and developed a product that wasn't a home run, not like that one before. Some were home runs, some were strikeouts, and that got really frustrating, why there were differences and inconsistencies and i became a little bit obsessed about those inconsistencies that drove me back to earn a phd and went back to school to study innovation in detail and find some solutions which i'm very thankful i actually found some things to help out with that but the real passion part so this is all kind of just background so i think that is important the passion part really for me comes back to that early team experience i had doing the demonstration in dc and then building this team to actually make the product real That was such an amazing team. And when you look at the research of high-performing teams, they're three to five times more higher performance than other teams. And they have certain characteristics that uh, maybe we can save for another podcast. But none of us knew at the time how amazing this was, right, until the team, the project ended and the team breaks up. And then you're truly sad because you recognize that this was a really special experience. It was really extraordinary More than anything now, what fuels me, I still want to see products delivered that create value for customers and products that we love. But it's having that experience of working with others in that extraordinary environment of being able to do that. And so the training and things I put together these days for companies are to help them have that kind of extraordinary experience too and come together as a team and work in solving problems for customers. So that's my real passion. Um it was so extraordinary. I want others to have an opportunity to have that extraordinary experience too.
2: Those experiences, yeah, they, they do truly frame and then you start chasing them. Right. Like once you've had one, you're like, okay, I need to have another one, right? And you're you're absolutely right. When you don't have a home run, that and and back to the everyday innovator thing, I, I think mm-hmm. that yeah, if you're truly passionate about it and you don't have a home run, you're like, uh, what did I do wrong this time that I did right last time? And you dig right. it curiosity kicks in because you really want to get back to that. Right. Yes. Yeah. It does kind of fuel all of us that are, that are passionate about it.
0: I'm interrupting the interview to share something really important. We'll get back to the discussion in just a minute, but I want you to know about an extraordinary system called the rapid product mastery or RPM experience. In just nine weeks, you can have a higher performing product team meeting only 75 minutes a week with no travel required. One product leader, after trying all the typical training workshops, turned to the RPM experience to get real change for his team. He said that this is the only training that provides an integrated product management perspective. It did exactly what I needed it to do. If you have a group of 5 to 14 product professionals, learn how you too can have a high-performing team in just 9 weeks, 75 minutes a week. Without travel. This is the system created by Chad based on his experience working as a product leader, coaching several organizations, and deeply studying innovation during his PhD work. Get the guide for yourself at The Everyday slash RPM.
2: So I know you recently asked product VPs and directors why they need their product teams to improve performance. So before we actually discuss the results, uh, can you tell us why you asked the question and who responded to it?
1: So I've been working with some organizations and and helping them improve their performance, right? Either groups of product managers or product teams. And taking them through a system I call the uh, rapid product master experience, RPM experience. So I used to call it something else that no one remembered. It's like trying to come up with a better name. So the RPM experience. And it's about, you know, in just nine weeks together, we meet 75 minutes a week virtually. So there's no travel that is involved. Teams start working together better. And they really do improve their performance as we go along. We're learning knowledge from seven different knowledge areas. And they're applying what they are learning to their actual problem in time. And they're learning to collaborate in a different way and share information. And that works really well. And as I've been talking about why customers brought me in to do this RPM experience with them, I kind of heard some key things over and over. And then I thought, I wonder what I'm missing here too, right? Why are people looking to improve the performance of their team in the first place? So I decided to send out a note to people that I'm connected with and ask them that question. And the people I I did that with, I'm connected to a few hundred product VPs or product directors on LinkedIn. So I just sent them a question and asked for their response. And that's how I got into wanting to know more about what would they say about improving performance.
2: So now to the question, what specifically did you ask those product VPs?
1: And I'll read this just so it's the same one I sent out. So I told them in preparation for a potential podcast episode, I've been asking product leaders, Why they need their product team to improve performance. And the top responses your peers have, have, well, I actually said the top responses from your peers have been develop a customer focus, meet a project deadline, increase collaboration in the team, or build foundational skills to get everyone on the same page. What would be your response to the question if you could only choose one? Or is there something else I've left off the list? So that was the question.
2: Okay. And what were the overall results?
1: So interestingly enough, not everyone interpreted this question the way that I had intended and not uncommon when we're doing a survey that we (laughs) don't always have the questions that we think will get the results we want. But most people did. So over, you know, the few hundred people I sent that question out to had well over 100 responses, which was extremely thoughtful people. I sincerely appreciate them taking the time for that. And then 91 of those were kind of on point, and the ones that weren't, they interpreted the question in a way that I now understood was really reasonable the way I wrote it, either in a very detailed tool approach. Like some people said, you know, we, we got to get a handle on road mapping. You know, here, here's a technique we need. Okay. Others took it to the very big picture, which is basically what is product management about, right? Well, obviously, we, we are always trying to improve so we can do a better job creating value for the customer and value for the organization, that sort of thing. So specific results on on the question, the four categories I had, right? Develop a customer response. 41% of people said that that was their priority. And by no means is this statistically, I'm not trying to say anything about a larger population. I'm just, of those 91 responses, what did we see? 41% said develop a customer focus was number one. Project deadline. Many people didn't resonate with the deadline, but they talked about speed. So I grouped that together, wanting to increase speed to market, time to market. 10% said that. So deadline or increase speed. When it came to collaboration in the team, so something about working better together, collaborating, that was 4%. So that one didn't resonate as much with people. And then build foundational skills to get everyone on the same page was 14%. So of the four responses that I put in the question, and those were just ones that I hear most often from people, the developed customer focus was, you know, the overwhelming leader, right, at, at 41% people resonated with that. And then there were a few others. So a couple of people said all of those are important. And one person added speed also. All of those, but also we care about time to market. And then someone said, all of those are equally important. And you also have to have vision, creating, casting a vision for where the product is going. I could break these up in different ways, but a couple of people said that customer focus is really important as long as you also have vision. So I thought that was useful. And this is one I want to ask people about more frequently. Because I think even though only a couple of people answered this way, I think it's a really profoundly profound answer. And they said that it really has to do about why. Why are we doing what we're doing? And that came up for me. This is a quick aside, this RPM experience thing. I've been doing it for Praxir for five years now, in some form for them to help them onboard their new product managers. So each year when they have new product managers that they typically move over in their group, they move over from their R&D group into product management. And we help them understand what product management is about and over time they've recognized that the biggest benefit of that is we understand why we're doing what we're doing you know not just what the process is but why we have that process for a couple of people that was their response they said that's what's most important for helping our team have higher levels of performance is understanding that why and then for anyone keeping track of the math we still have a lot of people who are in another category and I grouped those together and said, they're really pursuing an objective. There's a, a different objective they have for performance. So big picture, the customer focus was the highest percentage. 41% said something about having a customer focus.
2: So let's actually talk through each of these categories. Okay. And, and what about, let's start actually with customers being the reason that they need their product teams to improve performance. What did, what did they say about that?
1: Okay. And personally, I was happy to see this one because that's my, my perspective That's what we're about as product managers, as everyday innovators, is to create products that customers love. So seeing that customer focus was really helpful. So some verbatim things they shared. A deep understanding of the core customer problem you're solving with a particular feature. Get maximum value to customers over and over again. So it's repeatable. Uh, Someone said how customers focus translates into effective voice of the customer, which in turn drives product development opportunities. Uh, to see beyond current customer, to understand the larger market ecosystem and emerging needs. So, And some made a point out of that, right? That we're not just focused on customers per se, but a larger market. And that's important too, right? That we're reaching a larger market. But when we're thinking about a new product, I usually think about individual customers, frankly. And then as we scale that, we're thinking about the market the segment that fits into. Some people talked about to uh, meet or beat customer expectations and win over the competitors that are out there. But a lot of thoughts about the customer. And a few people reiterated this and said, one said, it's always about the customer. Another one said, being customer focused is always number one. So letting the customer drive what we're doing in product management. And I think those of us that are in the field, we recognize that we're not just responding to what they say they want. You and I, we had this great interview a few uh, episodes ago about the voice of customer research that you've been involved in about understanding what the problem actually is. And then us as product managers and designers, we come in and we be innovative about creating a solution that creates much more value than they're probably thinking about to that problem. So, okay. So that was the customer focus part.
2: Great. Uh, What did you learn about their, their comments, their feedback on deadline or speed to market?
1: So on, on the speed to market issues, the focus there was just getting product into market faster, reducing that time to market. Someone said cultivating and leveraging high-performance teams, near and dear to my heart, reducing time to market, uh, focus on speed of innovation. Some people talked about the velocity, and I like like this phrasing. They said to improve velocity and the number of shovel-ready roadmap work items initiatives to maximize development team utilization. So getting projects in the pipeline or feature updates or things to make sure we're utilizing the development team well, too and just move faster. So lots of comments about speed to market and moving faster as being a key reason for improving performance. That probably is the, the pain point I hear most often, even though this was only what I say 10% of the respondents, you know, identify this as most important. It's probably one of the most frequent pain points when I, you know, I talk with product leaders is yeah, we, we, there's more and more pressure on us all the time. We, we need to get our products into market faster.
2: Yeah, I think that one's interesting because, as a as a product manager in a business to um, business environment, mm-hmm. that's probably one of the th- one of the most common themes that we're hearing about in the B two B market is getting uh, getting product or product updates to market faster. Okay. Because I think people, you know, as technologies evolve, people start to merge their uh, their expectations around consumer based products and how quickly those change, and and the business products that they that they use at the same time. Mm-hmm. So. For me, that would be we're always focused on the customer, but this new thing that we're trying to uh, to trying to figure out is what's an appropriate speed to market because some customers don't want change all the time, and then others. Right. Want it or they want to keep current right and they have these expectations of, well if my you know if the iOS and my phone change like you know every you know other month why can't my business software be doing the same thing so right. th- that's that's interesting
1: yeah and I'm glad you put that in the context of the customer focus too hopefully we don't have organizations that are making that the only metric right and unfortunately I have seen that a couple times where we don't really care what we get in our market as long as we do it fast
2: yeah and they're not validating yeah what right they're, what they're building yeah right. yeah Yes, that that can be detrimental. Right. So what did you learn about team collaboration?
1: So collaboration, this was really about helping people work together and sharing information better. Someone said increasing communication across the organization and beyond. So extending what we know from product to rest of the organization. I kind of saw two aspects of this, which was we need our team to work better together. We need the people that are in the team now to share the information they have. And, and this has come up for me a few times with the RPM experience, where there would be someone on the team with a best practice that works really well for them, and no one else is doing it. Okay, well, let's share that and and talk about how to put that in effect. Or recently with one large organization, they had a lot of market research information that would be driving product direction that rest of the product team did not know about. It would have been the answers to many of the questions that they were asking and so just connecting those people up and sharing the information that was needed that they already had was really valuable. And then the aspect of extending this beyond the team itself, but to the rest of the organization. I would be reading into responses, so this might not be accurate, but one way I look at that is like maybe we're trying to infect the rest of the organization with this customer focus, right? That we're about creating value for the customer and you know carrying that on past the boundaries of the product team. So and again, not a lot of responses on that collaboration aspect, but those were kind of the two big things: team working better together, sharing information, and then extending their influence beyond themselves.
2: Yeah, and I think those things are are really important when you get into that multiplier effect, right? If they can really, mm-hmm. if they're really collaborative and work together, they're more likely to uh, to be able to produce, you know, two or three times the ideas and output um, that a team that I uh, just do my job. Yeah, you'll have to go find the same information I found. Yes. Yep. What about the responses that you got on foundational?
1: And this was a pretty big category of the respondents we had, about 14% choosing this one. So, so not too surprising if I ask the question, you know, how, why are you interested in improving the performance of your team? Some aspect of, well, we just need to get everyone working together, moving the same direction, right? There's some foundational knowledge that everyone needs to have. That, that makes sense to me. So, some of the specific responses. Build foundational skills to get everyone on the same page. So that was kind of just reflection of the question. And by the way, that was interesting too, that very few people, even though they may have answered and said, this is most important, very few people just chose one of my answers, right? That they they had more to say about that, which was really valuable. But okay, so build foundational skills, get everyone on the same page. Build your team so everyone is effective. This was kind of a longer perspective that is valuable. said, collaboration across product managers to deliver the bigger solution stories across products and services. Consistency and discipline in working with the go-to-market team. Don't think that product management work is done when the product or service is released. Holistic strategic thinking with the business in mind. So again, all that has to do with kind of getting everyone on the same page and recognizing how influential product management is in the organization. I often think of it as the critical, we just need a little critical mass to really impact the entire organization, get them thinking about adding value to customers. Another person shared the product team operates optimally on a consistent basis. And that was a common thread that there was repeatability, consistency in what you do. Less friction, improved performance gives you a sense of accomplishment, which brings higher level of confidence Confident product managers produce better products. And I really like seeing that one. One of these product VPs called that out that, you know, I, I need product managers that are confident because that itself provides fuel to what we're trying to do. This ability to just get people to work together more effectively helps with that a lot. And finally, someone shared, help my team develop their skills to help them grow their career beyond my ability to provide them a challenge. And I like that, right? Someone's thinking beyond themselves and wanting to build a team and let them develop um, to their best potential and capability. And I've seen those foundational skills, right? That's part of one of my Pivotal points in my career. And you recently became a new product development professional certified, right? You studied for the MPDP. I did. Never stop learning. Never stop learning. And I did that about, you know, 10 years into my career. And that was huge. It helped me have a framework for what really goes on in multiple different aspects of product management, product development. I emphasize the 10 year part because a lot of us, we never put that together until we're pretty far into our careers. And it was just really useful.
2: Yeah, I mean, I found studying for that really useful from the a couple of different purposes. One is it was just reemphasizing a lot and then putting the proper labels and terms to things I was doing anyway. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think is interesting about the foundational stuff that you mentioned in the responses was, I agree, there's like there's this core set of skills, right, that you need your team to have. One of your respondees had mentioned also understanding... How each other fit together, right? Because we're not all perfect at everything. Hmm. Where did you have a skill gap? And if you're augmenting your team or hiring onto your team, are you identifying that skill gap and trying to fill that skill gap so that you have a more complete team and not expecting everybody to be everything?
1: Yeah, it's a really good point. I was just listening to a different podcast on the, uh, I think it's called the Enneagram um, but it's a personality ass- assessment type tool, right? And so I've done the Myers-Briggs type indicator, MBTI, a few times. And yeah. DISC is another popular one. There's a few of these out. I think those are such useful tools to help us just understand that we approach things differently. Somehow how we're wired, we see the world a little bit differently. And sometimes that leads to friction in teams. And sometimes it can lead to a recognition of that's a better way of looking at, at something. And really innovation comes out of those experiences, right? Where we have kind of those different perspectives and tensions until we work through the tensions and we come to a, a common understanding.
2: Yeah, I did, I did Myers-Briggs very early in my career. I was, uh, I was, was working for a consulting company at the time, mm-hmm. and they were trying to put together uh, pitch teams, And so what they were doing with uh, a bunch of the new recruits that they brought in, I was one of them as they made us do the Mm -hmm. Myers-Briggs assessment. And then they were explaining to, okay, so who are you? Like, you know, which, which four letters, you know, are you? Uh, So what they would do is they would explain kind of what that meant. So they went around the room. Okay. Mm -hmm. So these are your letters and then explain to the rest of the room. That's so this, this is why, you know, Colleen's good at this thing. And you'd get to hear what everybody was good at. And then what they made you do is they paired you up with your complete opposite. And they were okay. Now figure out how to work together. Why do, Why should you value each other? Right. And that was really eye opening for me because I was like, Oh yeah, I'm really good. I can I can get up in front of a large group of people and talk. I can pitch an idea. I can be passionate about it. I got the big picture all under control. I'm not so good with the details. <laughs> uh, you know, I've gotten better over time because I've I've developed that skill set. But sure. You know, my complete opposite was really good at the details. And I need, you know, and, and I needed him because he was going to identify all the things that I was going to create the pitch around. Right. And, you know, prior to that, it was like, well, he's really quiet. He just seems to be heads down. He doesn't really talk much. And, you know, like, why do I have to work with him? Right. That's not who I would naturally gravitate to. Right. And that was really eye opening for me. And that's something that I have continued to seek out through the rest of my career. Mm-hmm. Like, who is that detail oriented person? Because I want them on my team because they're going to make me better at my job. Exactly. So I've done that same sort of, you know, concept within my team. So Mm
1: -hmm.
2: again, you're really good at this and here's your complete opposite. So when you're ready to go guns a blazing out the door with this great new idea, why don't you have a conversation with this other person first? Because they're going to ask a lot of questions. Right. Um, So, you know, the person who keeps asking all this detail of the questions, you no longer
1: perceive them to be
2: annoying, but rather they're,
1: and isn't that talking. exactly it? You know. Yes.
2: They, you know, they're not annoying anymore. They're helping you refine your idea.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I've done the same thing for team building activities, as you just described, because it is so valuable so that we change from this person really annoys me to, oh, I understand how this person helps me think better about what we need to get done. It brings a team together.
2: Right. And you can watch teams evolve over time to where they actually go seek out that person and go, them. Exactly. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. What am I not thinking about?
1: Right. <laughs> yeah and that is part of foundational skills It's helping everyone get on the same page moving forward together
2: yeah good. so one of my favorite questions is always why so so you had some respondents who said you know why was the was the category of response so what what did you learn about the why
1: yeah and I guess I teed this up a little bit earlier, but only two people addressed this, but I thought it was such an important thing to address. So verbatim, someone said, understand the why, why we do things the way we do them. And that notion, I think it takes what we do as professionals to the next level. And back to my experience with Praxair that they recognized over time, we have a process. Um, We have a process for product development, product management. It was developed 20 some plus years ago. All the people involved in that process aren't here anymore. And we go through and we do things. You know, I've done some work with Motorola. They have had different versions of a stage gate process, you know, with different numbers of stages and same sort of thing. It's like, why do we have the stages we have the understanding, the bigger why, which I would always frame in terms of the customer. So I'm in mean, good company with the 41% of people that said customers the focus, but you know, why do we go through the steps that we do, the processes that we do in creating products and understanding them more deeply to know, Okay, there's a a step that we left out last time because we didn't need it, but this time the default becomes we'll leave it out again this time because we did last time. As opposed to, oh, well, why do we leave it out? Do we need it this time? Or why are we doing that step because it doesn't apply to what we're doing now? And just really, uh, you've heard me say this since you listen to the podcast all the time, moving towards product mastery, right? This notion of having a deeper understanding of. Not just what the process is that we should be doing, but why we actually do those things
2: yeah I think I think there's there's two why's that, that I always think are important. so why am I building the product and building you know what, mm-hmm. what is that vision you mentioned vision earlier on when you were uh, introducing the categories and and why am I following this process I think that's really important too with your product teams is you know why do we build the product we build from the customer's perspective like what what, what massive problem are we solving mm-hmm. for this customer? To this market. And then the second piece of it is why do we follow the process that we follow? What, what, you know, what benefits and gains do we get out of this process right. that help us achieve the bigger why?
1: Yeah. And that's exactly it. it. sums up the responses and what, what we've both seen too. Yeah. Good.
2: So I guess that leaves one last category that you mentioned, which was objective. So what were the responses related to a specific objective?
1: Yeah. Cause all the other ones I talked about before, you know, some versions of that, like everyone's saying, all those are important. And then several people identified a specific metric or what I just would call an objective. And many of those dealt with revenue directly or return on investment, which is an expression of revenue, specifically to drive revenue. Uh, Revenue is the most important thing, increasing revenue streams. I wasn't quite sure where to put this one. Someone said build great products, which in, in itself is an objective, and it was aligned with a few others. It also goes back to, for my way of thinking, customer's focus, right? The, the, we focus on the customer will build great products. But they had that option to say that customer was most important. So they they took this building great products as a little bit differently. And I'm sure everyone listening probably has you know, some other connotations of that as well. Achieve better business outcomes. Someone shared a specific metric, says we have a single metric driving everything this year which is active users minus adoption. So what they're focused on this year. And there are things that make sense at different stages of your product's life cycle. That clearly is where they are right now. That's the one that's driving their business. To build the best mar- best product in the market, to excel in the field you've chosen, to make it your own. Some people talked about quality and market performance. Some people talked about competitive advantage, gaining that. There was a, a interesting insight I had and looking through this and thinking about this because the people who shared like someone shared revenue would be obviously number one, everything else is derivative. And then the person listed, you know, some of the derivative things that related to that, but everything is connected to revenue. As I looked through this list and I recognized in, in thinking about these people that responded with is number one, that's not the right place for me to work. Right. If I'm looking at the right culture for me If I go back, you know, stop helping companies and go back to the regular job, so to speak, um, it would have to be one that says the customer's job one. Now, of course, you and I, I think we're both wired the same way in that regard. You and I recognize that's going to lead to the best revenue potential for our organization. We want to create value for the organization and also for the customer. But it changes how I think about things. And I would just feel stifled in an organization that said, Every week, the metric was, how are you doing on revenue? How are you doing on revenue versus how are you doing on customer's expectations, customer experience, customer value? It's just be very different. So uh, all these objectives really got down to, you know, here's a metric that we're trying to reach in some sense or another. And a lot of things about revenue, about beating the competitors, some notion of return on investment.
2: Yeah, I would agree that if you're totally focused on the revenue, you probably start to lose sight of why you're building the product in the first place. Because the, the reason you're building the product in the first place is it shouldn't be revenue. Revenue should be a byproduct of, you know, meeting that customer need. Because I think it comes down to that carrot and a stick thing, right? So right. If, I, if I'm if i providing value, that's the carrot, right? People will come to me because they can see that I, you know, that we're providing value. Uh, if, if you just simply, you know, based on revenue, then you're also probably based on price a lot, starts to get mm-hmm. into that commodity space. And now it's like, you know, you're beating salespeople with a stick to try to, you know, to try to meet those revenue targets. And and yeah, you've lost sight of where you're supposed to be steering the ship. Yep. So I would agree, if that's the basis, maybe that's not an organization that that your listener really wants to work for.
1: Right. Or everyday innovators.
2: Exactly. <laughs> Yes, because, yeah, your curiosity quotient will, will be quite, you know, quite low in those kinds of, or, or, or push down quite low. Yep. So, as always, um, you ask your interviewees for an innovation quote, So uh, which is probably one of my favorite parts of each individual podcast. So, what innovation quote do you have to share with us, and why did you choose that one?
1: So, I had to go find a new one, because I hear a lot of quotes, and I love quotes. And I for my own curiosity, I wanted to discover something new. For whatever reason, as I was thinking about this, I was reflecting on Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. And, you know, they they were the frenemies, right? They grew up at the same time frame. They were just a year apart in age. They became friends, and they were also rivals of these competing empires at times. And I saw a year after Jobs died, Gates gave an interview. He was reflecting back on Jobs' death. And in this interview, he said, it reminds you that you've got to pick important stuff because you only have a limited time. Maybe that's just been on my mind lately about how I use my time. And I have been getting more connected to, I'm really passionate about helping teams improve, helping product managers improve. And I just love seeing that happen. And you know, this we only have limited time. You have to pick important stuff. What important stuff are you picking, right? When you get out of bed in the morning, are you energized for what's in your future that day? For me, are you energized you know, about the experiences you get to have with the other people you work with you know, to get things done together? Or not so much, right? We, we all only have limited time. Most of us do not know how much time that is, but we know it's finite. So pick the important stuff to work on. I thought that was a uh, good quote from Bill Gates. It's
2: a great quote. And when you're asking questions, you typically ask your guests something like, how can everyday innovators learn more about your work or find out more about you? Uh, So what do you want to leave listeners with?
1: Uh, First off, I'm super honored for all the people that do listen to this podcast. Uh, Like you said, you've listened from the beginning, and I appreciate that. And people that are listening for the first time, thank you. The objective is every episode, we want there to be something that you can take away that's actionable, right? It just might be a mindset, a different way to think about things. Maybe today's was, wow, I should be thinking more about how the customer drives my decisions. Uh, But something you can take away. I also, as I've shared, I want you to have great product teams and be part of a powerful product management group, right? And and with these wonderful experiences that we can have that you've had some of those too, these high-performing teams that are just They're extraordinary. They feel magical in a way of what we can accomplish together. And that was what came about as the RPM experience, helping teams to be able to do that, helping product management groups do that. So anyone that wants to learn more about that, you just go to the everydayinnovator.com slash RPM. So everydayinnovator.com slash RPM. You can find out more information.
2: Well, thanks, Chad, for filling us in on all these great survey results that you got back. When you asked the question about what, uh, what VPs we're looking to do to increase team performance. I, I got a lot out of it, and I'm sure
1: the listeners will as well. And thanks for interviewing me. It was a great pleasure, as always, to talk with you again, Colleen. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to The Everyday Innovator, where product leaders and managers make their move to become product masters. Learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you'll create products customers love. Find the written notes of the discussion at theeverydayinnovator.com slash two.
0: Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit theeverydayinnovator.com.